just a heads up, everyone. Though we look at things through an optimistic lens on this show, some of the topics may be triggering and some of the language may be adult. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Aggressive Optimism Podcast. I'm Jenna Edwards, and I've overcome some pretty serious adversity in my life. And I just recently realized it was all because of this mindset I call aggressive optimism. I knew I wasn't the only one living with this way of thinking, and as I always say, there's a million ways to do anything. So I wanted to do this podcast so I could have conversations with others and learn how they overcome adversity and achieve their big goals and dreams and create the life they want to live. So without further ado, let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Aggressive Optimism Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Edwards, and this is season two, y'all. Woo! (laughs) I'm going to be doing things a little different this season. Instead of every weekday, I'm cutting back to once a week because as much as I absolutely, you guys love chatting with my amazing guests, I'm a one-person show and it's just not sustainable. So until I get a full crew on board, I need to make it a weekly show. Just wanted to let you guys know. I'm super excited for my first guest because she and I both believe you have to try things until you find what works for you. And I absolutely needed to try to do a daily show and I know it would work for me, but not without a team. So I'm sorry, you guys. (laughs) I hope you're cool with it. Um, Well, and if you're not cool with it, You kind of got to be because it's what's happening. Uh, So I hope that after you hear this episode, you're even more encouraged to follow your dreams and keep trying things until you find what works for you. Okay, enough about me and the show. I want to introduce you to the incredible Tanya Kinlow. Tanya is a wellness lifestyle entrepreneur whose journey to a place of truly loving herself and her life has not been an easy one. As a high-powered financial executive, Tanya appeared to have it all, but behind the scenes, she was going through a messy divorce. She was separated from her kids, drinking and depressed. Tanya's wake-up call came in the form of a horrific car accident, leaving her son Evan paralyzed from the waist down. This culmination of events led Tanya to leave her corporate job and sent her on a spiritual journey that has led her to a place of living in practical mindfulness. She has written three books, writes a weekly mindfulness blog, created an app dedicated to improving the overall health and wellness of society. No bigs. She also launched what she calls TK Inspirations, offering remarkable wellness transformation coaching, group wellness journeys, and inspirational meditations talks based on discovering wellness through purpose. To say Tanya embraces the concept of aggressive optimism would be an understatement. And I'm just so thrilled she's my first guest this season. As I mentioned earlier, Tanya's written three books. Today, I want to talk to her specifically about a book she wrote called The 10 Days, a wellness retreat for personal transformation at home. When I heard the title, I couldn't like I couldn't wait to dig in. And it's chock full of really practical advice on how to basically take a retreat at home. So (laughs) without further ado, I really want to get started on this conversation. So here we go. Hi, Tanya. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. 
I'm so excited to talk to you today and to share uh, this amazing book that you've written and all of the intention behind it and your stories. It's going to be such a great episode. I'm super excited. So would you take a minute and briefly describe what the seven intentions you talk about in the book are? Yes, absolutely. So the seven intentions are a method for living a life of wellness a method for getting to happiness. And so if you practice these seven intentions consistently throughout your day, you will see an elevation. You'll be, you'll, you'll have calm, contentment in that inner peace that we're all searching for. That's amazing. So what are the seven intentions? The seven intentions are meditation. And I, you know, it would be optimal if you could do them once in the morning, once in the evening, calm your mind, reduce stress. Oh my gosh. I only do it once in the morning and I think I'm awesome. Ugh. Yeah. Add to well, imagine. <laughs> imagine if you did it at night, how great your sleep would be and set you up for the next day. Oh my gosh. I love it. Okay. I'm not going to interrupt you anymore. <laughs> no, that's okay. I'm sorry. So I'm going to, you, you just let me, I'm going to do these in the order that makes sense. So sleep is a big one. So Again, if you meditated in the morning and in the evening, the other intention is sleep, rest and sleep. Your body needs to regenerate. Your um, short-term memory needs to translate into long-term memory. Your, your torn muscles need to grow. So sleep is critical, six mm. to eight hours. That's the second one. The third one is mindful eating. You have to watch what you eat. And I say no wasp. It's a little bit of a detox if you're watching. If you're really just trying to get to feeling good, WASP, W-A-S-P, no white flour, no alcohol, no sugar, no processed foods. So really just to be mindful and that helps give you a lot of energy. Oh, snap. I like the anagram. Yeah, I try to like have some cheat sheets so that it makes it easy for people to remember like, what was that? My problem. B, no, WASP. (laughs) I love it. So uh, the the next one is kindness and gratitude. And this is where every day you have to go outside of yourself and do a kindness for someone else. You can can bless them. You can write a handwritten letter, but you have to consciously with intention do something for someone else because that helps us get out of our own way. It helps us get out of our own head. And when you're doing something for someone else, it feels really good. So you have to do something kind for someone every day. So good. Then we have journaling and daily affirmations. And this is a, 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 um, creative time. And it's also another type of meditation where your epiphanies and things that happen throughout the day will come out and it can help you be self-reflective so you can see what works is good, you know, and then you can see some of the petty things or things you might be getting to you that you don't want. And, and so that journaling and just affirming the positive things about yourself keeps you up. Uh, the next one is self-care. And this is on the other side of sort of the kindness for other people. Mm-hmm. You have to practice self-care or self-love for yourself yeah. every day. Every day. Oh, my gosh. I, I so promised I wouldn't interrupt you, so I'm trying really hard because I'm so ahead, good. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. All of these. <laughs> <laughs> They're good. This is good living here. So good. <laughs> but I'm like, don't suck. 
going so the self care is self love, right? And so you, this, but the funny thing is that's the one that in sleep is the one that people say is the hardest to do. That's so interesting. And sleep is so important. Like for me, I am ferociously protective of my sleep because after the crash, I went a little nutty and it was mostly, let's be honest, I went really nutty and it was because I didn't sleep for eight months. And I now know the extreme of not sleeping and it is not a pretty place to be. So sleep is like the thing for me. Yeah. I mean, and I'm, I'm with you when I've gone through things and, and lose the sleep. And I saw something recently, you know, you hear about in um, these camps or prisoners of war, they use sleep deprivation as a tool. Think about right? that. It's a form of torture. It's a form <laughs> of torture. And we do it, we do it to ourselves. I know. Why are we torturing anything. ourselves? <laughs> yes, exactly. So it's just, it's so important. So that self-care, doing something nice for yourself, putting yourself first, it's just, it's critical. I and mean, last- it can be as simple as giving yourself enough sleep. There could be your self care for the day. Yeah. Or I say for me, it, it, well, this goes, <laughs> it's going to be funny. I like a good nap. So even if it's not eight hours at, at night, if I can get two hours in the middle of an afternoon and feel like it's just me, I oh miss that's a treat. I'm such a napper too. I love, <laughs> I love naps. And I, oh. I, mean, I never used to love naps, but man, when I started like taking them, I was like, I love mm-hmm. them. But I yes. think it's because I fell in love with sleep. <laughs> right, exactly. Because it's so good. You know, there was um, someone that was taking Ambien and I was asking about this sleep aid and why it was such a prescription. And they said, because it's so good. Like sometimes you can like your sleep so much that you actually become addicted to sleep. Oh. I don't think America has that problem, but yeah, I don't <laughs> have that problem either. <laughs> <laughs> but, and so the last one is exercise. And it's 30 minutes of exercise a day. And it is not, it should not be intimidating. It's not like you have to go to the gym and lift weights or whatever. That would be great too. But you can walk. I just walk and talk. I, when I pick up the phone with my girlfriend, walk for 30 minutes. It's over before you know it. Oh, that's so good. I can't believe that sleep is harder for, than, harder for people than exercise. Yeah. For some so people, we're workaholics hmm. or overcommitted. And they sacrifice their sleep to do all of the other things, including worry. (laughs) 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 So, you know, they're like, I can't sleep more than five hours. I'm like, you got to get at least six, six and a half, seven, you know, and then I say, try to spend the rest of the time in silence. So don't pick up your phone and get on the screens and do emails. Still, if you're not sleeping, just have some time where you can be calm, but try to get that sleep. Mm-hmm. That's and so good. And, the, oh, go ahead. I said, these are the seven intentions. And you see how good each of them are. So right? good. So while you were going through um, all of the things that you went through, how exactly did you come up with this recipe? So I, it started slowly. I um, After the divorce, the kids were going back and forth. So I had a lot of time alone. Mm. And I started to be more consistent on my exercise. And even on Friday nights, I was just so lonely. I didn't have any friends where I, I had relocated and um, I was sitting at home. So I even made Friday nights just workout night. Oh, like wow. I was on a date with myself. 
instead of just I love that (laughs) and I love that for anybody listening who might be changing in routine like I know that my sister's you know my niece is back at school and she's been like wanting to know how to create a routine in her time that was spent with my niece during the day in the summer or somebody who's like you said relocating I love that this is so good okay continue sorry yeah it made all the difference and I couldn't you know, I didn't have anything else to do. So there was no excuse. I mean, I could just be this excessive loneliness. So that, that helped me get into a routine. And at work, they had a club that started doing half marathons. So I started in that. I always in my mind wanted to be a runner. And I just said, well, let it. I can just train with them. And so I started on a consistent pattern and I've been running. So the exercise sort of built it then helped with my sleep. I wasn't sleeping because I had been depressed and mm. on antidepressants and all that stuff. So one thing led to another. So the exercise led to better sleep. And, you know, I wanted to eat right when you're trying to get your working, your, your athleticism up. So the mindful eating sort of came mm. about and then the, the self-care. And really, that really set me on a path to break out of this deep cloud. And over the, the last few years, especially after um, my son's car accident, I really got into the higher sort of self-actualization. I had to go further. And that's when I started just trying to be still and, and, and meditate and take care of myself. If I didn't, I'd run myself ragged. And the more I took care of him, and we, we interfaced in the hospital and the kindness. And so it sort of came together. <laughs> it was like a snowball. It sounds like a domino yeah. effect. Yeah. It's so it was easy. a long journey though, but it took like oh, almost my. seven years, 10 years. And then I realized this all works together. How can I share this <laughs> so people don't have to take 10 years to Oh my gosh, that's so great. <laughs> I'm so glad you did. And it's so interesting what you were saying about how when things got more stressful with your son, you had to be more aggressive almost with your self-care routine, like these seven intentions. Yes. I think that's fascinating. Yeah, because otherwise I was the advocate for him. Imagine the healthcare system and all Mm -hmm. of this. And I could, it could make me go crazy. And I'm like, how can I, you know, keep calm or stay over this and not go back into that abyss, you know, so you just sort of keep staying on it. Well, I think the interesting thing is that a lot of people think, oh my gosh, life is too busy to take care of myself. And I love what you're saying in that the busier life gets, the more aggressive you need to be about taking care of yourself. Right. Oh, so good. And so how exactly do you keep doing this because the book is specifically talks about how you you can basically go on a retreat at home Mm -hmm. and start to take care of yourself i feel like that's like the the tipping point or the starting point for all of this like daily ritual right but then when life gets in the way how do you or not in the way but like it gets intense like you were just saying how do you like make sure that you're being more intentional with all of these seven intentions. So what we talk about, even in the 10 days when you're doing it, there's almost, there is a scoring system that helps you stay diligent. So you can oh. come back to if you're I like charts. Operating. Yes. <laughs> you deal, man, with math and, and to-do lists and things. And so at first, I, I'm 
trying to stay away from this because I want people to free flow and be happy. And it's like, man, we need some help, you know, a guy. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. It's like the practical part of woo-woo. You're like, go be woo-woo, yes. but keep track of yes. it as if you're not. <laughs> exactly. You got to stay grounded. So there's points. So you know, done all these like 20 points, the max is 24, you're in a good space. And you're going to feel it. After a while, you start living this lifestyle. So you mm. do this for, you know, 10 days or as much as possible. And then you know what works for you and what it just grabs. You'll feel so much better. It becomes, it's inspiration to do things that you're inspired by. Uh, and it's not, it, does, it becomes, it doesn't grind as much. And it's so it's, it's, do you have a like point in your story where you started to realize that things were shifting while you were doing these intentions? Like it was um, beforehand, maybe you were a little more frazzled, but how did you identify that it was working? I was having problems at work hmm. where my, it was getting super stressful. It was cutting in sleep. I was in corporate America. And uh, I, I went and started looking into meditation. I went to a class. I went to just different things to manage stress. Mm. And I learned different things. And I actually started meditating. I started trying things and listening to guided meditations and everything. And I found over some months, maybe three or six, so over some time, I really was prepared to start making the tough decisions. Like, thing was going to be okay. Like the meditation was really working for me. And probably two years later, I, I, I got to a point where um, I left my, um, my job, my corporate mm. executive position, 26 years in corporate and went out into entrepreneurship. And so wow. it really built me up. I was like, I can't let my job get me back down low, like where a car accident or the divorce, like this, this can't, shouldn't compare. Why am I letting myself <laughs> get back there? That's crazy. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. That's so interesting. And it's so funny too. I think a lot of people um, imagine that once you've gotten to a certain point, you're just there. But like you and I both know there are so many ebbs and flows in this whole yeah. entire journey. Yeah. And it's about figuring out, it's about having aggressive optimism, knowing that it can be okay, and then figuring yes. out what you need to do to get to the okay part. But that doesn't mean you're going to stay in the okay part all the time. These are just tools in your toolbox. Mm -hmm. How to overcome any circumstance. Yeah, that's so great. Yeah. And so how has it been since you left your corporate job? It's been great. Oh, well, you know, ebbs and flows. <laughs> just like you said, ebbs and flows. But I think the more I know, the more I've been living these intentions, you know, any entrepreneur, it's, it's slow. It's taken longer than I wanted, but I'm also finding so much more fulfillment in, in being able to help other people. And so I, I know my, my abundance is here because I feel better. I feel better every day. I can actually feel better with less and if that makes sense. Oh my gosh, totally. And I also, um, when we were doing the pre-interview, you had done a little example of how to make yourself feel better in the moment. And I, I would love for you to share that with the audience because I feel like anybody who is at a job that they maybe don't love right now can go into the bathroom and do this technique that you were telling me about or, you know, just anytime, anywhere, it, all it takes is like three minutes, right? Yes. Uh, it is please really, share. <laughs> okay. 
So we're going to do, and I, I hate to say it before, but I am going to say it because I just want people to be, pre- it's really like a mini meditation, but it's very practical. Um, well, meditation I love that. Is calm. It's calm. It's calming your mind. It's calming yourself and finding your own inner strength. And you can do it in a few minutes. You can really do it in a few breaths. Ooh, let's do this. So I'm going to say you would close your eyes and take a few deep breaths. And then you sort of go within and and you can imagine a bright light in the center of your heart. And imagine the last wedding that you went to or the last party and all of the love and happiness that was in the room, who was there, how beautiful the bride was and how handsome the groom was and the dancing. And let that feeling just hover over you and breathe into it. And remember that this feeling is your birthright and this light is always within you and in any circumstance you can always take these breaths and go to any happy situation you want and reconnect with your inner peace and take another deep breath and slowly open your eyes and it's delicious. You're back. <laughs> it's so fast. Oh my gosh, I love it. I love it. That was amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, because I do, I think like people hear the word meditation and they get really intimidated. Yeah. Or they think it's boring or like it's going to take an hour or whatever. So I love that you were able, that was like 30 seconds. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I didn't want to take too much time because you can expand it. You can just sit in there and think about whatever you want. Mm-hmm. You can um, just breathe, and it's not—it's not supposed to be exciting like a party. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to um, calm and de-stress, and everyone is good at it. It's, people say, "Oh, I'm bad at it." No one is bad at it. Again, stop being—we have to take the negative talk out. It's sure. just like. When you learn how to walk a, a, a baby, or you're not, they're not bad at it. They're just learning. You know, when you're learning how to drive, you're learning. It just takes time, but it doesn't take a lot of time. Like I said, I think we feel within three to six months, it was impacting the calm in my life and how I dealt with decisions and other people. That's incredible. Oh my gosh. Well, if you can believe it, we're almost out of time. So I would love to do what I love to do at the end of all of my conversations and ask you for one piece of advice for our listeners. The biggest piece of advice that I would say, if you're in a position and you're looking how to switch it to an optimistic or a positive, and you just don't know how, it is to face where you are and then notice the contrast. So- (sighs) That's it. And then the noticing that turns you into the positive side. So I am miserable. I have migraines. And instead of going deeper into your misery, you say, but I want to feel better. And that will help take you up just a piece by piece. It's really just stopping the spiral downward is the mm. very first thing to do. Love that. Thank you so much for that. And then do you have a favorite resource? 
not one resource, but I can <laughs> tell you, um, I like when I sort of get in a rant to just sort of go on YouTube and play inspirational videos and let them play one after another while I'm washing dishes or folding clothes, especially. It makes it go so easy. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's fantastic. So YouTube is a great resource for that. I, yes. No one has ever said that on the show, so I appreciate it very Good. much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so great. And then do you have a favorite quote? I do. And it's, it's recent. It's been popping up. I have, I have quotes. My son says, I say, but this one is one more people may recognize. I've been, it's been popping up lately in my life. I never lose. I either win or learn. Nelson Mandela. Oh, so I never lose. I either win or I learn. And I'm just going to add an addendum to that. I, there's a course in miracles that I have studied and there's a lesson in there that I use all the time. That's sort of a corollary. And it says all things are lessons God would have us learn. So they're just lessons. It's just things to learn. Like it's not bad. I don't lose. I, that, I love that. It stays with me. So good. Oh, I, I so appreciate it. And I appreciate your time and your wisdom and your insight. And this book is going to be one of my favorite reads. I can already tell. Um, I will post obviously a link to it on the show page at aggressiveoptimism.com. Tanya, thank you so much for being on the show. Jenna, thank you. It was, it was a pleasure. Yeah, I love it. And everybody listening, you guys rock. Thank you so much for listening. And it has been the Aggressive Optimism Podcast. I've been your host, Jenna Edwards, and I will talk to you guys next week. Until then, have a great time. Oh, and remember, if you dream it, it's possible. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. I really hope you'll join me next time. The Aggressive Optimism Podcast is made possible through affiliate programs. So if you'd like to support the podcast and get some really great products for yourself, head on over to the offerings page at aggressiveoptimism.com. And if you want a little more aggressive optimism in your life, please follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Jenna Edwards Life. I'll see you over there. Until then, have a good one.